John's Gospel, chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one, as we are one, I and them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. With God. Let's pray. Holy Father, righteous Father, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us and let us hear what you want us to hear this morning. Amen. How many of us, here's a question for you, how many of us has, have ever experienced periods of loneliness in our lives? 
I think pretty much all of us can, can say that at some point, at some stage, we have, we have been lonely. It's a real problem, and I think an increasing problem of modern life. I don't know whether you knew this. I'd read this in a paper the other day. Our government has appointed a minister for loneliness, well, against loneliness, I presume. Um, Tra Tracy Crouch, just so you know, Tracy Crouch MP, thought to be the first politician in the world to hold a brief like this. Three quarters of GPs in a survey said they saw at least one person a day suffering from loneliness and isolation. It's not good for man to be alone, says God at the start of creation. And I think we can all agree with that. Cambridge, our town, is a town with a lot of transient people in it. Not just students, but young people at the start of their career, research scientists going from contract to contract, people staying for two, three, four years perhaps, and then moving on. Outside their work, how do people make connections, grow friendships? start to feel connected to a place. We're made to have such connections, and, and when we don't, we get ill. GPs, that same survey, GPs attribute increased risk of a whole range of illnesses to loneliness, heart disease, strokes, Alzheimer's. Why are we this way? Well, one reason I'm, I, I suggest is that it's because we're made in the image of God the kind of God described here in this passage in John's Gospel. It's the kind of God who exists in community. The heart of the Trinity is relationship, a relationship that's, that's inclusive, not exclusive, one that reaches out to include humanity. And that's what we're thinking about this morning, community, sharing community. Now, I know it's um, 11.15 on a Sunday morning, but let's ponder for a moment the mystery of the Trinity. We were doing it at nine o'clock, so if we can do it then, I think we can do it now. <laughs> How intertwined each member of the Trinity is with the other in the language of John's Gospel. So not so much in this passage, but earlier, chapter 14, Jesus says, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then when he contemplates his coming ordeal, he says, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each one to his home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. And John's Gospel talks of the Spirit as well, the advocate sent to the disciples when Jesus has ascended, breathed out, as it were, by God through Jesus to teach them and remind them of all they've done. So Father, Son, and Spirit then are they're, they're, they're separate or separable, if you like. We can talk of them individually. But at the same time, all are in, involved in the activity of any. We might think of God as creator. But the spirit also hovered over the face of the unformed world at the start of it all. And Jesus, too, the word, was there in the beginning. And in him and through him, everything was made. We might think of Jesus as the Redeemer, but God in Jesus was reconciling the world to himself in the power of the Holy Spirit. We might think of the Spirit as sanctifying, but the Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and the Son. Tertullian, the second century North African thinker says, who can know the truth without the help of God? Who can know God without Christ? Who has ever discovered Christ without the Holy Spirit? Now, if all this seems hard to grasp, you're not alone. 
This is my best story about the Trinity, so I'm sorry if you've heard it before, because I have used it before. My sister, and it's true, my sister's a Catholic, and she told me of the time the bishop came to preside over some first communions at her church. They knew the bishop always asked a question of the children, and there's one little boy in the group who's always very keen on responding, but always came out with something that was just slightly not quite right. So they stuck him behind a pillar and hoped for the best. So sure enough, the bishop asked, who here can tell me what we mean by the Trinity? Very advanced, the Catholics, even at early age. So the little boy sticks his hand up and says, I can. It's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and Mary the Mother. Hmm, says the bishop. I didn't quite understand that. The little boy responded triumphantly, you're not supposed to understand it. It's a mystery. <laughs> Fortunately, all we really need to grasp for today is that relationality is incorporated into the very being of God. Community, if you like, is incorporated into the very being of God. It's a dynamic community, one that exists in a constant flow of giving and receiving. Now, you might be familiar with a particular icon, uh, which is coming up in a second, by the Russian artist Rublev. Uh, it shows the it shows the three angels who came to there we go. It shows the three angels who came to visit Abraham at Mamre, and to tell him that he was after all to be a father and Sarah to be a mother in their advanced age. The news at which Sarah laughed. Now it's long been understood as a kind of metaphor, a kind of representation of the Trinity. You can see the way that each one looks to the other in a sort of eternal conversation, eternal exchange from one to the other. We can see reciprocity, perhaps, love in their mutual gaze where each look to the other in a circle. So some theologians have used the metaphor of music to understand the Trinity, the chord, where three notes intertwine to form a single sound or to the kind of music where different, different parts, different, different um, you know, uh, harmonies interweave to, to create the whole. Some theologians have thought of the Trinity as like a dance. C.S. Lewis used this imagery to describe God. In mere Christianity, he says, in Christianity, God is not a static thing, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost a kind of dance. This is Tim Keller, um, an American pastor and writer. He says, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are pouring love and joy and adoration into the other, each one serving the other. They are infinitely seeking one another's glory. And so God is infinitely happy. And if it's true that this world has been created by this triune God, then ultimate reality is a dance. Now, there's a little um, moment coming up, which perhaps Strictly fans will appreciate. Because in the image of, a, you know, when a dance is done well, when two people are dancing together well, we see that, that grace, that unity of movement, all those little anticipations of each other's movement. That, that means that one, oneness is achieved, so, and a joy, I think. So here's a little clip for you. <laughs> So in that, if we can imagine the Trinity <laughs> dancing like that, three rather than two, sometimes always together, that, that, that grace, that, that oneness. 
It makes us think of joy, really, doesn't it? Seeing a, seeing a dance like that. But if we, if we can get the icon back up again, we, we can, if we return to this icon, we, we can see in their communion the space left for the viewer who's invited to join the circle. This is a community that invites humanity to join in. And in our passage today, it's actually quite hard to disentangle the communion of Jesus and the Father from the life of Jesus' followers. And that's why, actually, I had to use examples from earlier in the Gospel for the interrelationship of Jesus and the Father. May they all be one, asks Jesus. One, because we're united with God in Christ. As you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one. So in that kind of intermingling, that interpenetration of father and son, we too, we can hardly be teased out or extracted from that interlocking unity. And this is the reality of our life in Christ, though perhaps we don't muse on it as often as we might. We're filled with the spirit of God and of Jesus. We are the body of Christ who is in the father as the father is in him. We're invited to join that dance of the Trinity. And this means that even though we may at times feel lonely, and we all do, in fact, we are never alone. The hour is coming when you will be scattered and you will leave me alone, yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Now, of course, the people of God have been able to say that for thousands of years. You think of Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. But how much more now true for us filled with the Holy Spirit and part of the body of Christ. And what else does that mean for us? It means that the relationship changes us. Sanctify them in the truth, says Jesus. To use the language of Paul, we gradually become in reality what we are theologically. Become what you are, says Paul. Live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. It doesn't happen overnight. I was baptised as an adult over 30 years ago, and I'm still appalled by the way I can sometimes behave like a complete plonker. But, I, but I'm better than I was. You find that hard to believe. <laughs> better than I was. I find it consoling. Even Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Perhaps some of us need to do less navel-gazing over our own sins and shortcomings and more just pressing on because we're called to experience the joy of the Lord. From this passage, I speak these things that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. My joy made complete. Of course, we can't be full of joy all the time, this side of eternity. We'd just be grinning idiots, wouldn't we? But if we could allow some space for joy to bubble up in us, we could think whether we're allowing our life to become too full of I shoulds rather than I coulds. Above all, how does this change us? Jesus prays that the love with which you, the Father, have loved me may be in them and I in them. The love with which you, the Father, have loved me may, may it be in them and I in them. And we started off by thinking about the loneliness that people can experience in a city like Cambridge, full of people. 
but full of people perhaps moving on. And God invites us all to become part of community, to join the dance, to share in the Trinity's joy, to experience the Trinity's love, to know and love one another in the body of Christ. But not to stop there. Once we've joined the circle, we are, I suggest, asked to open it, to invite others in to that community so that they too can share the joy of the dance. Now, the dance we saw earlier, obviously, was just two people. It was great, great to see. There are other forms of dance that have more of a sense of community, of drawing people in. And, and we're about to see another clip of a flash mob dance. I should warn you, there are just two or three seconds of a song that perhaps we might not choose to have in church. But I thought it was worth having for, for the sake of, the, of, of all. So if we can see the next clip, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> if church was like that, who, who wouldn't want to join in? <laughs> but did you notice there, I mean, obviously the, the people lined up to join in, but even those who looked to me as though they weren't part of the original mob, they wanted to be part of it. It was infectious, that, that, that joy. So I, I wonder whether we could take time this week to, to meditate on John 17, to meditate on the Trinity even, and the community of the Trinity, to bring to mind our part in the divine community, to think of those we might know who are hovering on the edge of the dance, to stretch out our hand to draw them in. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Our Lord God, in our past, someone stretched out their hand and drew us into your divine dance. I pray, Father, that we may be the channel to draw others in to the joy and the love of your community. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>